Welcome to the Gym Owners Business Podcast with Mel Tempest. The Gym Owners Business Podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Thomas Plummer, MyZone, Creative Fitness Marketing, and All Smiles Creative. The Gym Owners Business Podcast is part of the Gym Owners Business Network, which is the industry's go-to online hub designed to better service the needs of fitness business owners. The Gym Owners Business Network is currently finalising foundation memberships, so if you're a fitness business that would like to gain valuable and extensive exposure to the Australian and global fitness industries, then head to gymownersbusinessnetwork.net to find out more. Well, good afternoon. It's Mel Tempest from the Gym Owners Business Podcast and Network, and today I'm speaking to Scott Hunt. Scott Hunt started fitness enhancement in 1999 and all he had was just $400 in total as a 19-year-old. In 2019, his award-winning company is across Australia with a combination of trainers and franchisees working alongside his brand. Good afternoon, Scott. Hi, Mel. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I'm absolutely loving your story. It's definitely a story of like a hard start to, to 2019 and here you are nice and successful. So we thought we'd share part of that journey with our listeners today. I would love to know because in 1999, that's when I became first qualified. So I'm a little bit like you. I've been in the industry for the same amount of time. Now, how have you thrived in the industry for such a long time that has such a high turnover of trainers? Yeah, sure. Look, the industry has changed a lot in 20 years, hasn't it? I mean, but 99, that was when Yellow Pages was, was, was good advertising, so it shows our age. Yellow, yellow um, Pages no. and G-strings were just in fashion. Exactly. Just, it's, a, just. it's the same year Google was invented, so we've got some catching up to do. We have. <laughs> so, um, but... So it's just it's always changed and evolved, and businesses like that. But I think I think the biggest reasons haven't changed at all. It's um, one is I, I I did the things that most people wouldn't do for an amount of time that they that they didn't have the work ethic to do. It takes time to build a business, and most people in, in any industry just just sort of towel in too easy. Um, the other one was I simply learnt and improved the whole time. I'd, I'd never had a real job aside from a few other odds and ends and so I'd never had a proper fitness industry job before starting my own thing because I couldn't get a job. Um, so it's learning from it over all those times. So years and years at education and formal education and uni and so on too and continue to improve. And 20 years on, I'm still improving and evolving and you know, there's not enough time to fit everything into the day that you, you want to do and learn. So I think that's probably a downfall to some people too is they, they stop learning. They go, I've done my cert three and four and oh, now I know everything when it's really just a starting point. Well, it is. It's just the foundation really, isn't it? It's like building a house. You put the foundation down and then you've got to build on from that and education is part of that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I guess the thing, especially in an industry like ours, is it's changing so quickly as well. You know, it's um, what what works now didn't exist five years ago. And, you know, what's going to work in another five years probably hasn't come out. So it's adapting and changing, especially for me. I've gone from a, a, a complete one-man show as a teenager with some dumbbells in the boot of my car to, to where we are now. So the skills you need as that one man showed where we are now to where I want to be in another five years are very different. So it's continuing to learn and evolve with those skills as well. 
So would you say that the biggest change that you've seen in the industry since starting in 1999 is people going from the uh, personal trainer employee role to the personal trainer rent role? And I have to ask you this, give us your opinion on both employee versus rent role and why the so many trainers fail in our industry when the industry, fitness industry is so popular at the moment. Yeah, that's a, that's a long topic. I'll try not to get too opinionated because it's something I'm very passionate about. I think one of the biggest issues is is a lot of places out there over-promise and under-deliver, whether it be a, a search and for course insinuating you can get paid a fortune and only ever train attractive people, or it be a, a certain job in inverted commas saying you're going to make a fortune right away. I think that's part of the problem is a lot of trainers, if they knew the reality, probably wouldn't have started. Uh, to me, I don't like to say it's a rental agreement. It, it's a business opportunity. If you've got to pay 300 bucks a week to have a job, in inverted commas, it's not a job. It's a business opportunity. A job means you work, you get paid full stop. You should not be expected to work for free. The, the legal definition of a job means you sure shouldn't work for free either. Um, as opposed to a business opportunity, which is what probably what 90, 95% of the fitness industry is, you're in business. You're a one-man show like I was at a bit of my car. We're paying rent to our gym and you're a business owner. So the biggest failure comes there because intrinsically, most great personal trainers are horrible business owners when it comes to marketing and business and accounting and debt collection and all the other hats that a small business owner has to wear. Most have, have no idea, and that's, that's not their fault. They didn't go into a Cert 3 and 4 to learn business. Do you think the business needs to be taught, though, in Cert 3 and 4? I think it should be more clear and transparent. I think the fact that 95, rightly or wrongly, 95% of the industry is you have to be a business owner, I think based on that, it should be in Cert 3 and 4, but I think we also need to remember it's certificate three and four in fitness. It's not a business course. It's a fitness course to teach you to become a good personal trainer. So people shouldn't be expecting a good personal trainer to be a good business owner, certainly not a great business owner. And, and any industry out there, you know, if you go and become a plumber, you're learning to become a plumber. You're not learning how to become an entrepreneur or a business owner. So if that's the case then, and I do agree with you on that, if that's the case then why do you think um, I won't say all RTOs, but the majority of RTOs are encouraging those that are in there doing Cert 3 and 4 to go and open up their own business or to become a contractor, yet they aren't giving them the skills that they need to be successful. Yeah, good question. Um, I'd love to ask them that question too. Um, look, I think part of it is it's that it's people buying the dream of I'll do what I love for a living and I'll have my own business and I'll have staff and as a business owner I'll work when I want and get paid just to do something fun if I feel like it. I can take days off when I want to. And I think any business owner, in particular successful business owners, knows that that's not, that's not true. Um, that's just not the reality of it. The, the success rate of small businesses in Australia and many other countries is outside the fitness industry is, is not that crash hot. So I guess... Yeah, my guess is they're selling a dream of be the boss, and I love that dream. I love being the boss. I could never work for someone, and I love what our franchisees have achieved in being the boss and getting that same success and getting that, I guess, business skills from what we offer. But people certainly don't come out with it as a personal trainer straight away. Do you think that the media um, glamorizes the fitness industry as being glamorous? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the whole body beautiful image thing as well. And I think that's, an, I guess, a, a bit of a struggle with the industry too. And our whole niche is always about helping real people exercise. We, we get so many clients who say, I went with you guys because you were the only people whose website had you guys and all your clients fully closed and not flexing your muscles. So I think... I think there is absolutely a glamorous part of the industry, and that's yeah, that's fine if that's your thing. But that tends to be what gets a bit more exposure because it simply looks better. And the people who are going, well, my qualifications are my qualifications, as opposed to my six pack being my qualification, yeah. you, you tend to get not looked at quite quite as much. I think you've got to let your um let your brain do the talking rather than your looks with your shirt off doing the talking. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, just before I move on to the next question, I've, it's really quite um. Yeah, it's, it's quite freaky in a way that, you know, we're podcasting today and obviously we planned it a couple of weeks ago, but I had a couple of calls during the week. I said, you know what? I'm getting on the podcast with Scott and I'm going to hit him up with this question. Scott, what is your definition of a person going into an internship in the fitness industry? Is this something that you feel people are supposed to be paid for or they do it mm. freely? Good question. Is that off the one that was in the media about Absolutely. muscle growth and so on? Yep, I Absolutely. saw that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I also I got bombarded, yeah. I got bombarded wow. with questions. I said, you know what? I'm actually going to ask Scott. <laughs> Good. I want, you know, I want to comment on that. And then I thought, no, it's going to be too haters. So now I've got to comment <laughs> on it. <laughs> so, um, look, I think there's obviously got to be some very clear legalities as to what an internship is. Um, and I think that's something where, you know, in the fitness industry, um, contractor, franchisee, employee, affiliate, all those things, they all get jumbled together and it's not really clear. So from a legal perspective, it's obviously got to be done right and it's, and it's often not. But then I think from an ethical perspective, it's got to be clear as to what it is and what you're going to get out of it. You know, you look at any good apprenticeship, whether becoming a chef or whatever, that's obviously horrible pay as a first-year apprenticeship and that type of thing. But that's a very a great way to build your career and a well-recognized way of doing it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do certainly see in the fitness industry, someone gets work experience and they're basically, it's it's just a bit of a line for the place to not pay someone, which is, yeah, poor, poor form. So from an ethical point of view, I think it should just be super, super clear. And I do certainly see with the fitness industry not being as regulated as probably you and I would like that a lot of people said take advantage of someone young and keen. And I guess if we just look at the industry statistic, the average trainer quits the entire industry after 10 months. Um, that's clearly not a good thing. There's clearly a lot of people doing it wrong if we can't keep someone who's done their course in the industry for longer than 10 months on average. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Scott. One of the things that I'd like to see done is to stop um, and I'm not saying all gym owners do this, but I would like to stop fitness facilities from taking rent from young people and then telling them that they're dropping their rent, providing they work on the reception desk for free for four hours or they come in and do some gym programs on the Sunday when normally that club would be um, closed on a Sunday so that they can um, dismiss the penalty rate. So it is another podcast. Exactly. Yeah, but you know would, where I'm would, going with that. I would that. love to see Fair Work take a look at that one too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Let's move on to our next subject. Now, congratulations for being on the 7 News 
are during the week. You've had a client that has had a 70 kilo weight loss. Now, their personal training, obviously, which helped contribute to the weight loss, was funded by NDIS. Now, for those that aren't familiar with NDIS, can you just tell us a little bit about that? But what were also some of the other factors that helped contribute to the weight loss? Yeah, sure. With a client, um, this was on, on um, seven news the other night off the back of us being NDIS funded. So I guess for starters, we're getting a lot of media attention with that because we're, um, we're the biggest mobile personal training company in Australia now and we do a lot of PR and marketing and so on too. So it's really great to get some good, some good media exposure like that, which, which helps everyone. Um, in that case, that was one of our NDIS um, um, clients. And, yeah, basically, she would have been a great client regardless, but personal training is probably out of the, um, the um, price point for clients if they, if they can't, can't afford it simply. Um, so National Disability Insurance Scheme um, is funding for a whole variety of things for disabled people who live a better quality of life. So most of the things are more an allied health professional type thing, but us as personal trainers, we managed to get, get a registration with it. Um, and yeah, it's working really great for us because we're, we're getting the client to might otherwise not think that they need to do it. But if a client's a disabled client, most of the time they've got goals of confidence, independence, and all those things that you and I know fitness is the perfect key for it. But a lot of people don't quite realize that fitness is, is a perfect thing. They think they're going to be big, scary gyms and, and they don't want to go to it. So that's the NDIS has also really helped us get that exposure for people to see that, you know, there's places like us and many other great places that are down to earth and non-intimidating, private environment where you're not going to have all those fears. Um, so obviously we've got really amazing trainers. Um, so Damien's our trainer who, who, who trained this lady, Kimberly mainly. Um, he'd be great no matter what. She'd do great no matter what. But it's the fact that we can provide a really amazing, supportive private environment for her that very few places offer that that really, really made the difference, I think, for her. So obviously this has given you a, a key point of difference in an industry that's fairly crowded and you've decided to go into franchising. What was the reason for you deciding to, to go into franchising? You know, what, what is the future direction of your company? Yeah, sure. Look, I always had a goal back when I started when I was 19 that it was going to be – actually, it was probably about 16 when I made that goal. 16 when I made that goal. Um, that was going to be an Australia-wide you know, gym or fitness company or something along those lines. So I've, I've had that goal for a, for a long time. And I basically progressed from being a one-man show to a, a really successful studio on the Gold Coast with lots of staff to then mobile training, which – Funnily enough, people then liked because I wasn't just a one-man show, so I could seem like a more credible company when I had an actual company behind me. To then we expanded from there with mobile trainers throughout Brisbane. And then it was the whole, well, how do we get to that next level? And the most dedicated person is, is often the boss. If someone's a boss of something, they own their own business and they've got that 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 sweat in the game and everything as well, they're going to be a lot more dedicated. So that was where franchising was a really, really good option for us because it meant that our trainers who wanted more career potential could go on and buy a franchise. We had several of our trainers working for us leave to buy a franchise, so they got to sack me and be the boss, which is pretty cool. Um, and now they've gone on, we've got lots of staff members working for them. And that also let us get a whole heap of other personal trainers who went, didn't want to work for me because – you know, it's a, it's a job, you work, you get paid. So a lot of people are more entrepreneurial than that. But they also looked at the gym rent model and they kind of went, 
I'm kind of buying myself a job. I don't, I can't take on staff. I can't sell it one day. I can't really grow it. So I didn't really want to do the gym rent model. And then when they've discovered what we do as a franchise, they've realized it's from mobile franchise. It's ballpark the same price, long-term as gym rent. Studio franchise with bricks and mortar is a lot more expensive, of course. But they've realized they can get all those business owner perks of actually owning their own real business and taking on staff. Some of our franchisees have six or seven staff working for them just from mobile locations now and sort of really build it that way. So, yeah, franchising led us to really expand a lot a lot faster with getting more manpower and more people like me who love being the boss. And so, obviously, you have the support systems in place for somebody if they wanted to set up a franchise with you? Yeah, that's right. So, I guess at the end of the day, you know, franchise is a tried and proven system that's been around for a while. You know, I'd tried and proven it for a good decade before franchising and was very slow and cautious with, with taking a big, a big step like that. Um, so, that's part of it. We also take care of all of the things that a lot of trainers don't want to do or don't know how to do. So, it's their business. They still need to build it, of course. But, you know, regards to learning all these Facebook things and marketing and remarketing and Google AdWords and SEO and so on. We, we do all that stuff for people. Another great thing we do, we've got a 1-800-PT-FU number. So we literally are answering that 24-7. So I think as a small business owner, when the phone rings with a new inquiry, you, you can't afford not answer that phone. But we all know most personal trainers or even other industries, you ring them. They don't answer their phone. The person calls your competitor. So most trainers miss new inquiries. So we even do things like that, where to be one of our trainers answering it and being your support person. So we'll often have someone here booking in someone in Melbourne or Sydney, and um, they've got no idea we're on the Gold Coast. It's just that we are part of their team and we're there, we're there, we're the secretary really in that respect. So I mean, that's that's, that's, that's fantastic. Really that's fantastic value because you hit the nail right on the head. The majority mm. of personal trainers don't have time to answer the phone or they're training a client. And uh, it's the same as in, a, in my club, you know, sometimes, you know, the receptionist missed a call because she might be out vacuuming or she might be putting toilet exactly. rolls in the toilet. Yep. You and know, you hear that phone ring and you just cringe, don't you? You know it's a new inquiry. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, I, I look, I'll put my hand up and say, you know, my club is not the perfect club. I see my, my Telstra bill comes, you know, every month and it tells me how many missed calls there are in the club. <laughs> and, you know, which hence is why we now are actually getting a new phone system put in that has an answering machine to try and, you know, catch those those calls that we that we do miss and we are only human and uh, that's just the way that it goes so that's a fantastic tool that exactly. you've got for somebody that's looking at opening up a franchise now we spoke about education earlier on in the podcast so this leads me to a fantastic question now you and I are one of the many thousands of people that head to various fitness conventions and expos and we're all mm-hmm. heading off to quite a, quite a few of them now in, in 2019 so for somebody that's new in the industry so they don't get sort of sucked up into all the glamour and the bells and the whistles what are your three top tips for those of the new in the industry on visiting their first event yeah i would really say the biggest one is do your research everyone's going to be after something different i know for me it's all about business and marketing and building a bigger business it's not about being a better trainer i don't train people nowadays i run a place other people might be their passion is a certain type of training So I guess it depends on what you're looking for. But I'd say the biggest one is actually really do your research. Um, I think face-to-face conferences are really, really good because there's nothing better than getting really immersed within that that industry. But there's also so many great online resources really competing with that as well. But 
I think the biggest one is is do your do your research and actually Google the people behind it. So I know any conference I go to, any speaker I look at, I, I Google who they are first and suss out the good and the bad about them and if I want to learn from that person. Because um, everyone can anyone can whack up a web page and go, you know, I'm running a conference from a business coach or whatever kind of guru. Um, but to me, if you're some kind of guru and you Google that person's name and nothing comes up but their own stuff, then they're probably not probably not getting their message out there as much as they kind of say they are. So, yeah, research. Uh, I guess once you've been to them, the other big tip is actually put into practice. You know, I think we're all guilty of going to a, a conference or something, coming out all fired up, and then a month later you haven't actually put that stuff into practice. It, it's put into practice. Just use as the um, the tips to then push you to that next level, and then next year you're going back to it, you, you should be a whole other level ahead, I, I think, as a business owner, rather than, you know, repeating that same year. Uh, I agree, Scott. Uh, research and implementing is the most important um, walkaways, you know, when you come away from the expo that, you know, you need to research what you are going to implement and then you actually have to follow through on, on the implementation. And if you can't do it, you know, delegate it to somebody that can or ask for help. Uh, too often we go away with, a, you know, a notepad, as you know, full of, uh, oh, that was a great mm-hmm. point and that was a great book that they told me to read and then we don't follow through on yeah, it. I- I think that delegation one's a really big one too, actually, is because that, that's exactly it. If you're not good at doing a certain area in business, that's okay. Delegate it to someone who is. Don't don't palm it off because you couldn't be bothered. But if it's a valid practical reason that someone can do it better than you, um, i.e. my bookkeeper does a much better job than I can do, even though I know how to do it, I would much rather have her do that. All our sessions I get my trainers doing, um, and I try to stick to the stuff that I know I'm the best at. And the same for a franchisee. We try to go, well, you're an amazing personal trainer. Focus on being an amazing trainer. Leave everything else to us, basically. And it lets them do what they're good at and what they're passionate about, which makes a better business for everyone. Yeah, I, I agree with that. One of the things that I learnt uh, about 10 years ago, um, yearly uh, I started doing a competitive analysis of all, obviously, the competitors in the area. And then I sort of got to that point where I thought, oh, I really don't want to do this anymore. But I knew that my team absolutely loved stalking and researching the the competition (laughs) so um you know Ballarat's gone from a place that used to have 10 centers when we opened to having over 87 fitness facilities now so we sort of divide the list up and the girls go for it and they sit down and they stalk and they research and then they come back with information about what our competitors doing and that actually helps us make decisions on what our next step will be after we have been to these conventions and these expos because the last thing that you want is to go to a lot of trouble to launch a new idea and concept only to find out that three or four of the other guys in town were at the same expo or with the same idea so you know research you know implementing uh delegating and knowing what your your competitors are doing and i I think try and walk your own walk a little bit as well i think that can happen sometimes where you where everyone's copying everyone they're going to bloke down the road doing it i better do it as well so for me you know we've got I've got what my my tenth gym within two kilometres of me opening up now, um, and it's not really a concern, you know. It's um, yeah, we'll lose some, a couple of fit people to it, but we're all you know PT for the person who doesn't want to go to a gym, so it's it's not really that much. If I tried to copy what they were doing, and they've got a humongous bricks and mortar place, um, yeah. and we're a, we're a, 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 probably big for most studios, but certainly smaller, a great big box gym. 
I tried to compete with them, I'm not going to win. So I try to win my own fight and do something different to what they're doing, such as being a place that suits disabled people. We've got a lot of disabled, older people. Yeah. We do corporate sessions. Um, the mobile trainings, obviously, a lot of people out there do that, but no one does on the scale we do with having the one company covering, you know, half of Australia now. Yeah. So I, that's I, a um, unique yeah. difference. I think I agree with you there. I think what everybody needs to do is to focus on their niche, look after yep. those that are already consumers in their business and not desperately try to seek out new money, um, just to focus on those under under the roof because they are the people that are presently paying your income. And yep. I think it's important mm -hmm. to look after those people. Exactly. Everyone's got those key clients and if you do it, it's that whole 80-20 rule of, you know, 80% of your, your revenue probably comes from your 20% best clients and it's going, how do I get that more people like that? And I know people like the lady who lost, lost that much weight. We've, got, we've still got our original clients with from 20 years ago. So I look at how good those clients are who we've had for 20 years now. That's it's incredible. people like that we want more of. We, we, we don't want the client who goes, I'm trying to get fit for summer, therefore I'm going to quit in winter. The, yeah. the big gyms can have that person. We want the person who's 50, 60 years old going, I just want to live a long, a long, healthy life. We know where you can get that person better results than anyone, and we know we're not going to lose them to someone who offers a $10 a week membership or something something silly like that as well. We don't want to compete with that. And, you know, Scott, you sound like you have the, the perfect um, business model for those that are looking to go into um, the franchise system. So please do tell everybody today, where can they contact you if they're interested in looking at setting up a business and perhaps maybe even falling underneath your banner? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess the first one is do exactly what I recommended before. Do your research on things. Google us, Google me, look at our history in the media on us and so on. Uh, and then after that, hopefully we tick all the boxes. Um, check out fitnessenhancement.com or just Google fitness enhancement or, or um, Scott Hunt. We've got loads of great resources on that as to what we do and how we do it and so on. And then from there, just get in touch with me, whether it be via the website or Facebook or anything, um, and just, just have a chat. I guess the person we're most suited to is that personal trainer who's going, I want something bigger and better than what I could do inventing my own thing, or I want something more than what paying rent to a gym can offer, but I don't want to go to that point where I'm having to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars setting up a gym or buying a, a bricks-and-mortar franchise. Um, is we want that person who's somewhere between those two different things. That's, that's our perfect person. Fantastic. Look, Scott, thank you so much for your time today. Now, before you go, I just want to wish you good luck because I believe that you have been nominated for an award. Yes, that's right. We're in the um, top five for the um, personal training business of the year now. So only Queenslander too, I'm proud to say. Um, yes, we find that out on April, April 11th. So April the um, 11th. Yep, that's right. So that'll be exciting because that's, I guess, yeah, for me, what I've been working on literally half my life now, starting my business ago. Well, I wish you absolutely the best of luck with that. And as you heard, uh, everybody, Scott is available via those contact details that he just mentioned to you. I'll also drop them in text format into the bottom of this podcast. Scott Hunt from Fitness Enhancement, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks a lot for that, Mel. You're very welcome. Have a great day. Thanks.